Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Issues with Wrestling. My name is Christopher Miles, and tonight, I think we got a great debate for you. So what we're going to do tonight is talk about something that wrestling fans have argued for decades, as long as there's been wrestling and, well, a Mount Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. However, we're not going to build one. We're going to build as many as we can in the time frame that we have. And not only that... We're going to debate if the concept of a Mount Rushmore wrestling is even really fair. And joining me this week for this debate from Dynamo Pro Wrestling and from the Wrestle Talk podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Luke Roberts. Good Luke evening. Good evening, Christopher Miles, a man who, I, I can tell you, look at, looking at your screen right now, somewhere down the line, you got to be paying Jimmy Hart royalties for the, or not Jimmy Hart, I should say Gary Hart for that hairdo. But you know something, tonight we're going to be talking about the Mount Rushmore's of professional wrestling, a topic that's been had by professional wrestlers, managers, referees, fans, you name it. And right here tonight, Issues with Wrestling is going to make our our look, our discussion in the world of professional wrestling, Mount Rushmore's, and I'm very glad to be here. And pardon me a minute, I'm going to have a drink of my wonderful hot cocoa. There you go. And while, yeah, while you do that, I'm going to bring in our next guest, a local indie wrestler, a guy that I think has a bright future all the way up to the top. Ladies and gentlemen, the Switchblade, Garrett Shanks. Garrett, how are you, buddy? Hey. hey. Luke, good seeing you. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Luke, I'll ask you first. Are debates like this, Mount Rushmore debates about anything, especially wrestling, even really fair? Well, you know, Christopher, when you look at this, I got to tell you, I think the Mount Rushmore debate is more than fair mm -hmm. because, I mean, again, you look at this discussion here tonight, you have three different generations of the world of professional wrestling right here on Issues with Wrestling. But there are countless others. I can tell you flat out, I've had discussions with my with my nephew, uh, I have are the micro from micro championship. I've had discussions with Chris Rodell. I've had discussions with Joe Lance and Renee Martinez. I've had discussions with John Cosper from uh, eatsleeprussell.com. You name it, the discussion's there. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say the discussion is fair. I think it's more of what are your criteria? What are you uh, looking at? And that's what ultimately makes the discussion much more difficult to determine because, like I said, three different people. Three different perspectives, three different points of view. So, so I would say that that that's what makes wrestling so much fun is the idea of it's much like the Royal Rumble. Who's going to be the mystery guest? And that's like tonight when we have our discussion, who's going to be on the list? Who makes the cut and who doesn't? So Switchblade, what do you think? Are, are these debates fair? Are they something that can even really be settled? Uh, it kind of depends. Like there's yes and no. I mean, we're all going to have different different opinions we're all different ages we all watch you know different eras of wrestling uh but i think us breaking them up into categories makes it a little bit fairer uh mm -hmm. but all in all i don't think there can be like a definitive mount rush more that everyone's gonna agree on okay that's fair and i'll start with you for this one uh shanks does your own age appreciation of wrestling uh, fandom uh confirmation bias or era bias does it really affect your Mount Rushmore because like me personally I cannot talk with authority about how great gorgeous George George Hackett Smith even Luthes were because I didn't see them I can talk about people from the 80s to now and say how great they were I can appreciate 
the contribution of those people, but I can't say like, oh, they're they're up there for sure, even though I never watched them work. I mean, can you do that, or, or do you have to stick with what you know? I I feel like I kind of got to stick with what I know because I mean, like I said before, the Four Horsemen were you know one of the greatest groups of all time, but I wasn't there to watch them, you know, do it live. So I mm-hmm. I know what they were and I know how important they were to the business, but I didn't. I didn't watch it live, so they're not going to be on my list when, when we okay. come to talk about factions. Okay. So, I mean, Luke, same question. Well, you know, one thing I do have to say in the course of the past few years, and I, I have to credit both of you gentlemen, having been uh, a key part of both of your careers, you guys are students of the game. You have Thank the you. opportunity to learn from a variety of different resources, whether it's um, – IWTV or WWE Network or New Japan World or any of those things. We're thankful that we have those resources available. But so the, I agree with uh, Garrett completely. And the idea of where when you sit down and you look at professional wrestling, there are going to be people who don't have that wide spectrum of knowledge in the world of professional wrestling. They're going to have their particular niche. And I'm going to tell you tonight, right here on the program, you're going to see three completely different uh avenues of professional wrestling and none of them are truly wrong because we all have our own personal history we have our own personal likes so like i said tonight's episode is definitely going to be one for the highlight reel absolutely so i guess we'll go ahead and jump right into it and luke i'll let you do the first head of the men so the male side of the mountain professional wrestling well if you're only going to give me one to start off with I'm going to throw one, and this is going to be strange, but look behind me. What do you notice? Lucha mask. You talk about professional wrestling. One of the first ones that pops into my head is a legendary luchador, that being the legendary El Santo. A man who lived his persona literally to the grave. Yes. He competed against some of the greatest wrestlers in the history of Lucha Libre. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes down to you want to look at the history of professional wrestling across the globe. To me, the first one on the list has got to be El Santo. Okay. And I, I can't argue with that because especially considering the cultural impact he had, man with him made how many movies down in Mexico. And, you know, you talk about how he wore the mask of the grave. He took it off once for a news broadcast a week before he died. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I have no argument there. El Santo is definitely, an important contribution to this uh, sport, professional wrestling, as Lucha, unquestionably. So, I mean, uh, Garrett, who would be your head for the men of wrestling? Well, for mine, I'm going to go with a guy, and this was just the first guy I fell in love with and the first guy that just really drew me in, and that's got to be The Undertaker. I mean, his career spanned 30-plus years, and, I mean, he's, he's done it all. There's not a single thing that he did or that he hasn't done in the world of wrestling. Okay. Hey, hey, hey Chris, just to let you know, too, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, let the times of Texas red and world class or <laughs> Memphis. We're not going to, we're not going to hold those against him. Like you said, 30 plus years at the very top level. I mean, that'd be a great name to add to the, to the Mount Rushmore on the men's side. Yes. I didn't and- say Texas. Better mean Mark Callis. I <laughs> so, the Undertaker was probably the first gimmick that I absolutely adored because I, I was more of a fan of the wrestlers growing up, the guys that just went out there and wrestled. But 
something about Taker, man. He had that persona and that thing that was just so cool to me. So I, I it's a great choice to be up there. My my first choice bugs me a little bit because on a personal level, and it's going to make uh, one guy out there very angry, I don't particularly like this person, and it's Hulk Hogan. Y you have to have him up there because we wouldn't. the industry would not be what it is today without Hulk Hogan. Right, Luke? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree a little bit with you, Chris. Okay. When you look at the professional wrestling world, I mean, yeah, he had the marketing machine that is the WWF and Titan Sports behind it. But the question is, for the for the Hulk Hogan's of the world, what about Ric Flair's? Ric Flair was going out there and having classics night in, night out. Now, again, if you're looking at it from the promotional machine, mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to tell you right now, Hulk Hogan managed to reinvent himself when, when the idea of the Hulkster saying your prayers, eating your vitamins, and believing in yourself became passe to him. He invented the whole Hollywood Hulk Hogan persona. And okay. that took him to a completely different level. I could see where it is, but I don't necessarily say that wrestling would have been completely different if Hulk Hogan wouldn't have been in the picture. Because I look at it not from the professional, but from the wrestling. And I think Ric Flair oh, yeah. would have tied him in a knot. Oh, of course. I think so, too. But Shanks, what do you say? Does Hogan belong up there? I feel like he does because there's only a handful of people in pro wrestling that became bigger than the sport. And he was one of them. I mean, like, he's to me, he's like the, the 1980s personified, you know. And like Luke said, after he was done in the 80s and went to WCW, then he, you know, became Hollywood and, you know, was the leader of the NWO. And, you know, I, I beg to disagree, Luke. I feel like if he wasn't around, wrestling would be way way different without hulk hogan and wcw and wwe and th th there you go my bosses interstate sports interstate 70 sports media wrestling wouldn't be where today if not for the hulkster so i i okay so we're at the fourth head now for men and i think we'll do maybe a wild card round table we'll each get one more and then we'll decide who's actually goes up there and i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna go with the one that you said luke rick flair because he personified the the he was the last NWA guy. He was the last person that was the traveling champion, going to all the territories. And he was that last guy, I think, that was what wrestling used to be. That's why he gets the nod as the fourth head for me. Ooh, I could agree with you there, but you know mine. I'm going to say this. I think without this individual, a lot of wrestling from, from the land of Japan would not exist, as well as a certain degree of MMA, and that is the legendary Ricky Dozan. Yes, the, the the founder of the original Japanese wrestling promotion, the, the godfather of wrestling in Japan. Uh, hard to argue, but then again, that's my that's my bias and my North American bias, my age bias. I know the story of Ricky Dozan. I I know what happened with him. I know, you know, Anoki and Baba and how he trained them and how they split apart. But I I'd give it to Flair a little bit just because again age and where i live so who well, do you, you think know, you, go ahead you know something i look at it too here chris is the idea of where yeah he traveled the world he was well known he, he was on basically every continent imaginable but again when you have an individual who basically more or less made the sport yes country mm -hmm. i mean to me that's where i look at it i mean again mm -hmm. he wasn't always in, in in the top level but i mean his his persona i mean 
he was, I dare say, he was Ric Flair in certain eyes before Ric Flair. Oh, yes. He was Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan. He was all that. So, I mean, uh, Garrett, who do you think should be the fourth head for men? For me, and this is where the age gap kind of comes into play because I only got to see this particular guy in the latter half of his career, but still, to me, it was just an impactful and just as good, if not better than his first run. I'm going to go with uh, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Ooh, okay. Uh, are arguably of the past 30 years, the most entertaining, the most charismatic wrestler. So sure. I could, I could definitely see him up there, but uh, all right. So we got those choices right there. So my votes, my votes for flair, you're going to go Ricky Dozan. Are you going to, are you going to stick with Ricky Dozan? You know, I think I, I, I and again, I, I can't believe I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with the switchblade on this one. And the reason okay. why is not just the, the WW, uh, WWE, WWF run. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, you look at it, you have DX. You also have the time with Marty Jannetty and the Rockers. I mean, again, he was able to cover all aspects of professional wrestling. And again, when you needed that big match delivery, it didn't matter what pay-per-view it was. If it was a local town, you name it, Michaels was consistent, and I'm gonna change my I'm gonna change my perspective here, and I'm gonna go with Michaels. Look at you, Switchblade, changing right. minds out there. I will take it. Thank you, <laughs> Mister WrestleMania, Luke. Come on, I mean, what more? <laughs> I, I agree. Okay, I agree but okay, I will argue that point because can you be Mister WrestleMania if you have a losing record at of that event? Yes, <laughs> I think so. It's it, it's simple. I mean, again. One of the things I was taught many years ago in the world of professional wrestling is it's not always about the wins and losses. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have, as, as Garrett can tell you, it's always nice to have the winner share of the purse and go home with, with more money in your pocket. But by the same token, too, if you can take that next person mm-hmm. and continue to build and leave things, it, it, it's like the analogy, leaving things better than you find them. That, I think that, Michael was consistent on that. It didn't matter who he wrestled. I mean, again, you could talk about the John Cena's. You could talk about the Triple H's. You can talk about the Rocks. You can talk about countless other wrestlers. He always made sure that that person was better off than when they were, with the exception of Hulk Hogan. So, yeah. You won't um, go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unless, he, unless he lost his smile and didn't want a job that particular week. Well, yeah. that's true, too. <laughs> Okay, so on the flip side of that, we have, equally as important, the women of wrestling and who goes on that Mount Rushmore. So I'm actually going to let, Garrett, you're going to start this one off, your choice for the first head of the women of wrestling. Okay. Um, Let me preface this with Mm -hmm. the majority of the time I've been watching wrestling, they were divas, you know, it wasn't much women wrestling, but throughout the whole diva thing, there was two women who stood out of, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. And one of them for me was definitely Trish Stratus. Excellent wrestler. Mm-hmm. It, it, from that era where it was, I, I hate this term, but it was all TNA where it was, how good do you look in it in your, in your uh, swimsuit calendar? She was a step above. She was a wrestler. So I, she definitely belongs out there. And she came in just as a model who had no wrestling experience whatsoever, but then, I mean, pulled a complete 180 and became one of the greatest women wrestlers of all time. Uh, Impossible to argue that. Absolutely. All right. Luke, who's your choice? 
Well, I, I'm going to piggyback on Switchblade as well. The idea of where not only was she a successful wrestler in a Hall of Fame career, but then she went on to move on to another avenue into her yoga industry and make money out of that as well and be very successful as well. I believe she's a member of the Canadian Hall of Fame as well. Uh, again, a great choice to go there. I'm going to go with a classic, the one that the NWA Women's World Championship is uh, more or less named after, that being mm -hmm. Mildred Burke. You Without, stole mine, but there you go. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I mean – Mildred Burke, there are a lot of wrestlers, uh, wrestlers like Mildred Burke, uh, Elvira Snodgrass, um, uh, Penny Banner. There were a lot of wrestlers, but Burke was the original. Burke was the cornerstone of women's wrestling. And mm -hmm. I say, even though a lot of people might throw someone like a fabulous Moolah out there, I think without a Mildred Burke, women's wrestling isn't what it is today. And okay, so I'm not gonna put Mula up there. I'm gonna say that up front just because part of the reason is what's come to light after she passed and since she passed. So, but we'll talk about that real quick. If she hadn't had the allegations against her, if, that, if things hadn't fallen apart at the end of her life, if, which would would Mula be higher on people's list? Would she still be as respected as she was when she was alive? I think so. I mean, again, she held the title for years and years and years. She was the one that simply put, she yeah. was the measuring stick of the, the beginning of the rock and wrestling connection. I mean, again, who could ever forget her losing the championship at the war to settle the score against um, Wendy Richter and the infamous spider lady among mm -hmm. other things. I mean, again, Mula was one of those wrestlers that could go out there and I, I don't dare use this term, but I, I like in the book of Luthes was a shooter she knew exactly what she was doing inside the ring and if you wanted to cross moolah she was one of those that would have no problem tying you up in the ring and i i like in a lot of, of the fabulous moolah and i know i'm gonna get some flack from somebody that all three of us know i like in the fabulous moolah to billy robinson a wrestler okay. that could go out there tie you into a knot and go wrestle again in a matter of minutes because that was i mean when it came to in-ring ability she knew what she was doing at all times Oh, that's a very good point. And, okay, so my choice, and I, I think that it was important to pick someone that was important to the women's wrestling but also tr the, transcended it, and it might be an odd choice, but I have always been a massive fan of Luna Vachon. And she was a great women's wrestler, but you remember there's times in ECW she wrestled men. She wrestled men occasionally in, in you know on the indies and stuff like that. And I don't think she gets anywhere near the credit that she deserves for being who she was. Because th that match she had with Sable, Sable's first match, and I want to say it was like Survivor Series of 98, I think. I think it was in St. Louis or somewhere else, but it was 98. Sable being inexperienced and honestly terrible <laughs> and, ma and made her look fantastic. And I think Luna brought everyone up in an era where there was less a desirable women's wrestling. So I mean, I mean, Switchblade. Do you remember? Do you remember Luna Sean at all growing up? Or oh, absolutely. I I remember seeing her back in the day, and then I believe they also did a Dark Side of the Ring episode. They did. About, they did. Uh, not too long ago. So I mean, that was you know that really was like you know it just opened up like a different part of my mind because I remember seeing her back in the day, and she was so different from what WWE had going on at the time. Like you said, her first match was against Sable. That's a lot of what they had. I mean, she was 
kind of a one in a million. Luna Vachon mm-hmm. was. She was just completely different than what they had at the time. Three words: the Vachon family. I'll just exactly. leave it that. Yeah, and you can't be a part of that family. And granted, she was adopted, but she was still raised by the Vachon family. You can't be a part of that family and not pick this up. I mean, some would say unfortunately, but she was a part of the, one of the most important families in wrestling history, and she made them proud. So, all right. So for the fourth, for the fourth head of the female Mount Rushmore, we're going to round table once again, and I will start. China, I I think you have to have China up there again because she transit she, you know, transcended men and women. She was just a wrestler. Was she the best? No, but she was the first woman to hold the IC title. And if Vince Russo had his way, he should have been the first woman to have the WWF championship. So that's my choice for the fourth head. Garrett, who do you have? Uh, for the fourth head, I'm going to stick with what I was saying before of the two yeah. the head and shoulders above the, you know, the diva era. I'm going to go with Lita. Fantastic choice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lita. I wonder how Lita's career, obviously what the people that got hurt and had to step away. Cause granted, she still mixes it up here and there, but her, her run was cut short due to injury. And of all things that, you know, the setup dark angel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not wrestling, but doing yeah. a TV show of all things. Yeah, yeah. So, so Luke, who would you be your choice for the for the fourth head? I want to throw this out here a little bit. I know we're going to have a discussion here in a minute, but I want to throw this to you guys: the idea of does her current situation in the WWE with Becky Lynch does that potentially take away from her legacy? No, because it's it's just to, to me anyway. It doesn't to me, but this is her having a moment where she comes back maybe wins the ladies tag titles i don't know but i i think it's just a payday and there's nothing wrong with a payday in my opinion true i i, I could see that uh garrett what, what do you think i no because i don't see her as just she can still go in the ring she's not just coming back and half-assing it she's yeah. still doing the best she can which i st- you know from the past couple handful of times i've seen her wrestle she's still pretty good and like Luke said, or like Chris said, sorry, if she does come back and win the women's tag titles, that's just another notch under her belt. And not only that, this isn't like Ric Flair's last match. This is she's still oh, in shape. True. So. true. We won't visit that one too much either. Um, okay. I'm, I'm gonna throw mine out here, and it's a name that a lot of people may not necessarily remember, but the track record, both inside and outside of the ring, definitely merits it with me, and that's Sherry Martell. Um. I love Sherry as a worker. She was a fantastic, fantastic wrestler. People my age, she was a manager. And she was a great one. But she Macho Man and Sean and Teddy Biasi, that's what I remember her for. And, and we're not going to go – I mean, again, you're not going to visit the idea of her guiding one of the greatest tag teams in the history of the sport of professional wrestling, Harlem Heat? That's true. That's true. I, I, Sister Sherry forgot that one. My bad. But, yes. But uh, that's I'll what – I'll this way. Yeah. I look at it this way. You and I are two different, complete different generations of pro wrestling. And we know her in different facets. But she was successful in both of them. And I'm Absolutely. not talking low-level successful. I'm talking like top-level successful. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those where, to me, I look at it from the perspective of, I mean, granted, she she doesn't have the championships and the, and the fame of Alita. But when it comes down to it, I think... You don't see too many women 
who I, I got to say, I probably say with the exception right now, the only one other one that pops on top of my head is Medusa that was capable of competing against so again, against so many competitors inside the ring, former AWA women's champion and former WWF women's champion. And also the idea, I mean, I, I think if, if, if Sherry would have been around in today's Avenue, I would have put, and this is going to be one there, putting a comparison between Sherry Martel potentially. And I would have loved seen a match of Sherry Martel and Becky Lynch. That would have been one of those dream matches for sure. Cause two similar yet slightly different styles. They were both wrestlers, but they were also brawlers. So that, that would be a good one to see. I, I'm going to stick with China just because of who she was and like her or not, like what she did afterwards, you can't deny her importance. So that's, that's my vote for the fourth head. And if I can't convince you guys, otherwise that's fine. We could split that one, but hopefully we can come around and say, at least China deserves her spot. Give her her flowers. Damn it. Come on. <laughs> Uh, I still, I still, I'm not going to change my opinion here. I think Sherry Martel definitely okay. to be there. And, and Switchblade, you're going to stick with Lita? Honestly, I could, on my list, I had China, so I'll ah. say China. She there was we go. world intercontinental champion, first women in a Royal Rumble match. You know, I think that she, I can, I can switch with China and go with her. There we go. There we go. All right. Making good choices, Shanks. Good job, buddy. <laughs> All right, so the next topic we're going to talk about, and this is something that I love because I am such a huge fan of tag team wrestling. And I think it's such an oft-overlooked aspect, you know, allegedly, again, this is per the dirt sheet, so who knows, that, you know, McMahon, Vince hated tag team wrestling and, you know, pushed it on the card. But, Luke, you can attest to this. You mentioned earlier, a lot of, of the greatest single wrestlers of all time sprung from tag teams you know sean michaels from the rockers brett hart from the hart foundation uh, davy boy smith from the british bulldogs so if, if not for tag team wrestling booker t from harlem heat if not for tag team wrestling we would not know who these guys are so go ahead. you know one thing chris when, when it comes down to it tag team wrestling and i know i've had this discussion with both of you before tag team wrestling is an all-lost art form Mm -hmm. The idea where, as an official, Chris, you know full well that officiating a match between two men is one thing. But when you have four or sometimes if you go to the six-man tag format, six men or women at any one time, the level of difficulty does go up considerably. And when you look at tag team wrestling, there are countless wrestlers, countless tag teams that deserve to be considered. And I'm going to tell you, I think every one that we're going to bring forward today is mm -hmm. going to have merit because it, as sad as it sounds, there are a lot of tag teams in the world of professional wrestling, but there are only a select handful to be considered at the very tip top. Absolutely. Of the, of the, of the Mount Rushmore wrestling. So before we, before we get into the actual choices and Luke, you're starting this one, just so be, be ready. Uh, my favorite tag team moment was, was a bit of a soup sandwich or a cluster, if you want to call it that. But it was when they used to have the tag team Survivor Series matches mm -hmm. at the first two Survivor Series, where it was five different tag teams <laughs> on each side of the ring. So it was like there was no room to see anything. It was all these bodies everywhere. It's like, yep, it was a terrible idea. But they were so fun to watch. It was so messed up and so, so disorganized. Well, you know something, Chris? I'm going to throw this one out here, too. You were talking about matches that definitely would pique the interest for all sorts of reasons. What about the Lethal Lottery? 
And the idea I remember seeing, I think it was the first match of the first Lethal Lottery, had Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin on the other side of tag. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that dream match, the what if. Yes. And I will tell you, I personally was a fan of the 10-man tag. Uh, I will say one thing, though. I always wondered this, and again, this may be showing my age, but how did Jimmy Hart manage to only choose one jacket for that entire match? Whoever pay, whoever's making the most money, baby. I guess so. That might be All right, so, 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 Luke, who is your definite choice? Who gets your nod to go up on the mountain as the tag teams? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, gentlemen, there are two that definitely pique my interest, but I, I'm not kidding here. I feel conflicted because mm -hmm. to me, if I mention one on this, this group, I need to mention the other. And to me, one of them has to be, hands down, Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. And you know where I'm going with that one because to, a lot of people would say, you can't put the Rock and Roll Express there without the Midnight Express. Yeah. But, I mean, here's a team. I mean, you name it, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, uh, the Road Warriors, the the Ivan and Nikita Koloff, and even going today, a former NWA World Tag Team Champion, even in their 60s. And I'll tell you right now, I had an opportunity – at the CAC this past year to sit down and talk with Ricky and Robert. And they are just as knowledgeable, just as with it, as you will today, as they were all those years ago, they could tell you everything that you ever want to know class acts in every shape of the word. And a lot of people said that nobody could get a reaction like Ricky Morton to quote, to quote Jim Cornette, help me, help yes. me. That's simply quote. Rock and Roll Express. The, Ricky Morton was so fun to watch get beat up because he was just a masterful seller. Like you felt so bad for him. You, you like help me. You wanted to will him to win. And you know the Rock and Roll Express don't need to do this anymore. I mean, I know they're they're on their retirement tour right now. They're doing select matches. This is strictly a love of the game thing. These two guys don't. You know, I know that Ricky wants to work with Carrie a lot, which is amazing. But they don't need to do this anymore. Yet they're still out there doing what they love, and they don't—they're not embarrassing themselves. They look good at their age, at what they're doing. So, Rock and Roll Express absolutely belong up there. So, Switchblade, who's your choice? My choice is going to be actually one that Luke already said. I'm going to go with the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors. You know, I mean, they were just two just giant guys who would just—I mean, just beat the hell out of whoever was put in front of them. I mean, the Doomsday Device is just still one of those moves that I look at and I'm like, how did not, how did more people not get messed yes. up by that move? You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, to me, just, they were two big bouncers that somebody just found and threw together as a tag team and said, go. And they did, and they just, they they kicked ass every single time. And, and what a rare thing for a tag team to stay together. I mean, I know they had their breakups a couple times when either one was hurt or they were not getting along for a little bit there, but to have that long of a run together and to be that dominant together is so rare in wrestling for a tag team. So Luke, the impact of the road warriors, what do you say? Um, yes. <laughs> That's probably yeah, yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> yeah. the first team to hold the NWA, AWA, WWF championships, uh, hell championships in Japan, pretty much everywhere they go, be prepared to get dropped on your head. There were people much like the Steiner brothers. They'd see their name across the uh, the the lineup for the night, and wrestlers would mysteriously vanish, or they'd just take their gear and go. 
Uh, again, though, two great wrestlers had an opportunity uh, just a couple of years before he passed away to be in an event with Road Warrior Animal. And I mean, again, even in his later years was still built like a house. And I'll tell you right now, when it comes down to it, if you're talking tag team wrestling, the Road Warriors have got to be there. The presentation, the everything was was it was great. They they're, they're up there for sure. The the so, face paint, the hockey pads. I mean, just the fights on the on the shoulder pads. The Iron Man. I mean, you name it. They were the and you would be remiss if you didn't leave out the one, the only precious Paul Ellering. We will forget Rocco though for the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> leave Rocco out of leave leave you know leave Draws and Heidenreich out of it. Animal Hawk Paul Ellering. <laughs> We can go with that. Yes. So my choice, this has been my favorite team for most of my life. And it's it's simple, simply, you know, one of these, Team 3D, the Dudley Boys, because ECW champions, WWE tag team champions, WWE controlled WCW tag team champions, IWGP tag team champions, TNA tag team champions, they literally did everything that a tag team in this era could do and still had amazing pops today. They can come out today and still do it. So the uh, not the, the Warriors were great. They were amazing. My choice, Team Pretty the Dudleys. Shanks, what do you think? The Dudleys. They were ones that were, I mean, they barely missed the cut, but they were going to be <laughs> my list. They were ones I definitely considered because, yeah, I mean, they – with the they were part of the whole TLC and triangle ladder matches and mm -hmm. all that. And I mean, when it comes to tag team wrestling, if you didn't talk about the TLC triangle ladder matches, it's just it's it was the next step in tag team wrestling and they just took it to another level. Okay. Luke. Oops, that way. Ditto. <laughs> as simple as that the Dudleys held championships everywhere they went the, the the triangle ladder matches the TLC matches all the hardcore matches they had in ECW uh, I mean you name it from top to bottom great things for the Dudley boys one of the greatest tag teams ever and we will forget that infamous match with the electrified cage in St. Louis yeah I'm coming up with the really bad moments hey hey I was there okay was <laughs> but my question my question is this Did you see Starman the movie Starman or the wrestler? No, Starman? did you see the wrestler Starman who was out in the crowd that night? Yes. Okay, yes. just making sure because we did too. So, uh, but like I said, I mean, again, guys, three great teams to put out there. Now, you got the question here, Miles Switchblade. Who do you put as the fourth? Well, you give us your nominee, and we'll go from there. Who do you got for your for the fourth? I'm gonna throw it right now. All right, and I can put it this way. Any way you want to put it. Loverboy Dennis, Beautiful Bobby, and Sweet Stan, the Midnight Express. There were so many tag teams that the Midnight Express were the greatest foil to. I mean, again, you have matches like the Skywalker matches. You have all the matches with the Rock and Roll Express. The only tag team I do recall in the Crockett days to hold the NWA World and United States Tag Team Championships, defeating Arn and Tully, I'm going to tell you right now, to me – if you're going to put the rock and rolls up there, it would only be justified to put the Midnight Express. All right. Shanks, what do you think? For my second pick, I'm going to go with kind of piggybacking off of your first pick. I'm going with the Hardys. 
Ooh. See, now they're so here's what I said a little about the Hardys amazing tag team, but them, much like Edge and Christian, viable as singles individually. Matt Hardy could have a great singles run, Jeff could have a great singles run, Edge and Christian could have great singles runs. So while they were great together, they didn't have to be together to be great, but the Hardys are amazing. So uh, I think my choice would for for the fourth head would be Arn and Tully, the Brainbusters, the tag team of the Four Horsemen, uh, whatever you want to call them, the New Minnesota Wrecking Crew, whatever you wanted to call them. Arn and Tully were a team I loved to watch, even though they were heels, and I was a kid and I should have known better. I loved Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So uh, Luke. Are you sticking before with we, the Midnights? Before, yeah, we, before we get to our discussion, one thing that really kind of boggled my mind that with all of our discussion and all of our years of expertise that got left out of the uh, discussion, much like the NCAAs, the Steiner brothers. Okay. But that one that got left out of the discussion, I'm not going to change my pick. They're on my list. They're on my list, but they it, were third. It's, it's were third. one of those where, I'm going to tell you right now, you look at it from perspective, Scott Steiner was the breakout in that team. Don't get me wrong. But if you're talking, and I'm going to use the Miles mentality here, a team that consistently had to be a tag team. If you look at Arn and Tully, they accomplished a great deal of singles wrestlers in yes. addition to being tag team. If you're going to go an individual, uh, into ones that could wrestle individually, I'd go with the Brain Busters all day. But if you're looking at the, the moniker of tag team wrestling, to me, you had – the great wrestlers you had lover boy dennis was switched out with stan lane like that you always had jim Cornette, a man who could run a mile a minute he was a legend in his own mind but when it comes down to it i'm still sticking with the midnight express you you've convinced me i'm going midnight so i mean you you made, you made a compelling argument my good man <laughs> so shake doesn't matter what you think because we got two votes so yeah, <laughs> i me hold on this one so <laughs> yeah all right now, I have a question now about our next Mount Rushmore, which is going to be factions. And it, in my opinion, a faction doesn't have to be four or more people. It can be three people if the roles are defined. Because I think the original, like, undisputed era of, of uh, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly was a faction. Because, because Cole was the single wrestler and Fish and O'Reilly were the tag team. Now, I think the New Day are a tag team, not a faction, because they all work together. Even though Kofi and Biggie have won the, the big belt, they still are a unit. They still are. There's no leader. So that that's my opinion. What do you think? Is Are factions and tag teams, depending on the size, drastically different? I will look at it this way. Yeah. And I agree with you in the idea there's no true leader, but look at the versatility of the New Day, that full circle, the idea mm -hmm. where you could have Big E be the singles wrestler and have Kofi and Xavier be the tag team. Or you could have Kofi being the singles wrestler and and the other two being in the tag team. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I liked your comparison, but to me, I, I would almost have to put, to me, the New Day in the same class as the Undisputed Era. So you now, think they are a faction? I, I would consider them a faction. I would consider okay. them a long-term faction. Because, okay. again, I mean, and speaking of which, too, I just hope upon hope. I know that there's still a lot of things that are undetermined right now. 
I, I hope that we some point sooner rather than later in some form or another see Big E back in the WWE. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Garrett, what do you think? Factions, tag teams, what's – are the New Day, for example, are they a tag team or a faction? I mean, right now they're a tag team, but when they have Big E with them, I consider them a faction, you know. Uh, okay. So I I think if you got more than – if you got three or more, you're a faction. Okay. So on that note, who is your first choice – for the uh, factions, Mount Rushmore. This faction, and I'm just going to preface this by I'm going with the original incarnation of the three. I'm going with the New World Order. I'm going with Hollywood, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash. Okay. Uh, change the industry. Hard to argue. Uh, impossible to argue. They, they have to be up there, in my opinion. But, uh, Luke, they, what do you think? You know, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. If you're going to look at the, again, the original inclination of the NWO, yeah. But as it dispersed itself and became 80% of WCW, <laughs> it lost it, 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 it. It's lost its momentum. And a lot of people, and looking back here at my list, and again, I'm getting a little bit older. I've had to use my phone to make sure I can keep my list straight. Um, one of the teams that I had on my list, and I, I'm going to kind of go the same avenue here, was the Bullet Club. A yeah. lot of great leaders, a, a, a same general concept, but it's just like the more and more you saw it, the more and more it was there, the more and more it got watered down. And, and I think this most recent um, uh, A&E biography of the NWO showcased the point. Bischoff knew things were going, that the, the, the was off the rails. And to me, I don't see that particular group being on the Mount Rushmore. I really don't. Okay. But so Shakes was like the fact that it was so diluted and some would say led to the end of WCW just because of the mismanagement and the power of the NWO. Does that hurt their opinion? Did that their status with you at all? Or were they that important in that moment? That, that that's kind of why I said the original incarnation. You yes. Know, it did get it became, you know, Wolfpack and 2000 and then you know there were a million different world orders at the time but i think the first three hogan coming out dropping the leg on macho man and just that the ring getting showered with that you know with garbage it was just to me that was just one of the craziest moments to ever see just hulk hogan the ultimate good guy becoming the ultimate bad guy yeah i believe you know just that first incarnation did was just wild, but I do believe that down the line, it becoming so diluted did hurt it. When you got Jeff Jarrett as a leader at one point, you know we're in trouble. Anyway, so so Luke, are you going Bullet Club or who you, who is your choice? Is that who you're going with? Oh, he's grabbing something. It's now time for Luke's Roberts plug right here on Issues with Wrestling. <laughs> if you want to talk about wrestling factions in the world of professional wrestling, I'd be remiss if I didn't leave this guy out there. Wrestlers are like seagulls by the one, the only, the infamous, J.J. Dillon. And you know who I'm talking about now. You can get this book on such great outlets as Amazon.com. Yeah. But you would be remiss without talking about the original Four Horsemen. Love the Horsemen. And I get upset because I listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast, and he's not a fan of the Horsemen. And he says that they were a regional Carolina people in Omaha or California or New England didn't care about the Four Horsemen. And I call BS on that because I live here in St. Louis and I love the Four Horsemen. So, Shanks, I mean, I know you were a bit young, but do, like, do, do you remember them at all? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen their, seen their work, seen their promos, but like I said, I didn't get to live it. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's not as impactful, but I mean, it's, they are legendary as, you know, me being, you know, 28 years old, I've heard of them. (laughs) I know what they've done. So yes. Okay. So my choice, and I'm going to go to about the same era that Luke went and I'm going to go the Heenan family because (laughs) Bobby Heenan and the Heenan family were the constant foil for Hulk Hogan in the eighties. It was the, who was the bad guy of the week that Bobby Heenan was feeding to Hulk Hogan, be it Haku or earthquake or under the giant or just anyone that he, he had this amazingly huge stable of wrestlers to feed, but they were on top. They were, they were the tippy top of the food chain as far as bad guys went for the majority of the eighties. So the Heenan family was amazing to me. And Luke, what do you think of the Heenan family? I, I can tell you right now, anybody who lived under a rock wouldn't know anything about the Heenan family. The Heenan mm. family, you talk about it, you can go back to the AWA. When you talk about Stevens and Bockwinkle, when you talk about the WWF, you talk about wrestlers like Big John Studd, Haku, Andre the Giant, um, King Kong Bundy, Ravishing Rick Rude, um, the Barbarian. And we'd be remiss without people like uh, the Brooklyn Ball Brawler and the Red Rooster. But uh, we're, we're not going to go there. Yeah. But the point is, Bobby Heenan not only was a great manager, he was a great talker. And a lot of people have said he was a great in-ring competitor. Any man who could go out there, put himself on the line, wrestling the ultimate warrior in a weasel suit match. And again, he was one that had no problem making fun of himself. Yes. But he had no problem making making the jokes at anybody that came within earshot of him. And again, how many people can say that they were a manager of the nature boy, Ric Flair? And how many people can say they were a manager, a wrestler, a commentator, all of those things, and did them all quite well? That's true. So, I mean, Garrett, I'll ask you, did you ever get a chance to go back and watch on YouTube or the network any of the classic Bobby Heenan promos? No, I haven't. haven't had the I've I've heard his commentary work in WWE and WCW, you know, like it's Miss Barbershop window when Sean throws Marty through and he's like, oh, Marty was trying to jump through the window to get out of here. You know, stuff like that still cracks me up to this day. Uh, But I haven't gotten to go back and see any of his promos in there. Do do a favor and just do it. Just watch some of the stuff you say about those poor people in those poor Midwestern towns. So, so Shanks, who would be your wild card choice? Who, who, Get your nod for the fourth head of factions. Okay, I'm going new school here. Uh-huh. Guys would probably be able to agree with me on this one. I'm going with the shield. All Good three choice. of them broke out and become megastars. You know, I mean, with Mox now being in AEW, he's on top over there. Roman being just whatever. The guy. Is. Yeah, the guy. And I mean, Seth is in his own right has had you know, a stellar career already. I just, and contrary to what Luke said, I don't think anybody really was the leader of that. I mean, they all kind of had their moments where it seemed Mm -hmm. like they were, but all in all, they were like, they were equals. I feel when you have a faction where all three of them are not only world champions, but grand slam champions, you did something right. So, Luke, what do you think of the shield? Where, where do they lie on the history of factions? I got to say I agree with it, but it kind of falls back into the New Day perspective. I mean, again, yeah. I think theirs is longevity. Okay. I mean, again, I could agree with Garrett and the idea that they had 
I mean, again, you've got Moxley who basically had to carry AEW after the whole CM Punk debacle. You got Roman Reigns, who's been the cornerstone of the WWE for 900 days now. And you got Seth Rollins, who's consistently in the, in the upper levels each and every week. To me, I'm going to throw another one out there that a lot of people may not agree with. And I mentioned him earlier. The first family with Jimmy Hart. I mean, when you look at that, all the great tag teams, all the great individuals, and here's one that, again, and I'm sorry, Shanks, this is going to be a little before your time. <laughs> how many people can say on their list of professional wrestlers they could have Hulk Hogan and Andy Kaufman? <laughs> you know what was, was funny to me with the first family was that when the WCW brought it back right before they went out of business in, like, 2000, 2001, and you know, it was like, who who's going to know about this? Who's going to remember the first family? And it was like the faces of fear, me and the barbarian, a couple other people, like basically the dungeon of doom, but with the, without Kevin Sullivan. So it was like, yeah, the first family for their contribution with Andy Kaufman, I think should be considered, but my choice would be from WCW as well. The dangerous Alliance. I, I was a big fan of that because you had, some of my favorite wrestlers, you had Bobby Eaton, you had Steve Austin, you had Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko, and you had a virtual army of wrestlers all under the direction of not quite yet Paul Heyman. So it, you had the great mouthpiece, just like you have with the Hino family, you had great wrestlers on an unfortunate down point in in WCW, unfortunately, at that time. But Dangerous Alliance was cool to me. So, so Luke, are you sticking with yours? You can come with me. You're going to go with, with, with Shanks. What, what's the word? Hmm, let's see here. I'm going to look at it right now. This is a hard one. Yeah. Um, I think right now I'm going to have to go with... I think I'm going to stay with the first family. And my okay. reason why is just because I think... Granted, Paul Heyman had a lot of things he did. I mean, he had a, a countless run in WCW. He had a, a, a pretty good time in a, uh, the AWA as well, ECW founder. But I think when it comes down to it and you look at it, I think it's the longevity of the group. And I got to say, because of that, I think Jimmy Hart and the first family has got to get that final nod. Okay. So you're sticking with the shield? Yep. Thanks. Well, I don't know because I, I hate to – I just remember there's one faction that I left out that I think we can kind of all agree was the greatest faction of all time. And that's right to censor. <laughs> you know what? You know I just, what? I, I'm not going to lie. I love that just for what they represented. Right. So, right. so, we're, so we're, we're, we're splitting that head. That's going to be a three-faced monster, that fourth head. But right to censor was perfect satire. It was really good. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, – Shanks, yeah, I, I have to ask: Are you are, are you a good guy or a bad guy in the world of wrestling right now? Right now, I'm 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 towing the line of good. I'm I'm trying oh, to be the good. You're on the side of light. So this yes. is perfect perfect for the next topic: the top baby faces of all time. So uh, so Luke, you can lead us on this one. 
Who gets that? I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm going for one that's not under the WWE umbrella. I'm going for the one, the only, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, a man who could talk him into the seats. He was the wrestler for the common man, Dusty Rhodes, all the way. His legacy in the professional wrestling world. I mean, again, the man, it just speaks for himself. Will you talk about his legitimate family yeah. or you talk about the family he had in NXT? It is the American dream. And that's impossible to argue because the Dusty Rhodes was possibly the greatest babyface talker of all time. But Shanks, who would your choice be? Babyfaces. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking new school, but I'm going with John Cena. I mean, he's the ultimate good guy. The the one guy that they had, that WWE fans were hoping that they would turn him heel for i mean at least a good half decade and they never did he just he stayed the good guy he's yeah he's the superman you know for lack he, of a better term he, he never embraced the hate he never <laughs> so my choice is i think the whitest meat of the white meat baby faces and that is ricky the dragon steamboat this is a guy who never worked heel as far as i know for his entire career. He always was out there with his baby and his wife, who talks about how that ended. But uh, Ricky Steamboat was always the epitome of, I'm going to get him. I'm going to do it for you people and my family. So, I mean, Luke, what do you think? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I could agree 100%. Ricky Steamboat was one of those that never was a bad guy. And again, if you're yeah. looking for a true all-American baby face, Ricky Steamboat's the guy. Okay. Shanks, what do you think? Ricky Dragon Steamboat. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was he was the white meat baby face, but I mean, man, he could go like him and Ric Flair had so many just legendary iconic matches. And to be to be the good guy and to be able to go up against, you know, one of the top heels, Ric Flair. Yeah. That, I mean, that kind of solidifies yourself right there. And to go up there against Savage, who was the you know the number two bad guy in WWE at the time. So it's it's hard to argue that now. Now, uh, who, who did you say for your for your choice, Shanks? I, I already forgot. I'm sorry. John Cena. John Cena. John Cena. Yes. So, so for the wild card, and we mentioned it once before, but another guy who's played both sides of the coin, but when he was a good guy, was the goodest of guys, Hulk Hogan. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Believe in yourself. Red, white, and blue. Wave the flag. Hulk Hogan for for me for sure. Shanks, who do you got for your wild card choice? My wild card pick, I'm going to go a guy who I don't think he ever was the bad guy, Rey Mysterio. I mean, he might have been briefly in WCW towards the end of his run, but throughout his entirety in WWE, he has always been the good guy. He's never and the family man who won't strike his own son because it's just not it's not right. Even what he's doing right now, he's still yeah. being a good guy. So okay, I could see that. So so Luke, who's your choice for the wild card for baby face? No, I was gonna think about Hulk Hogan, but again, that whole NWO thing kind of threw me for a loop. One to me that we want to put out there, the all-American Bob Backlund. Ooh. The idea, yeah, granted, he did win the WWF championship a second time and he only defended it for eight seconds. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, I mean Backlund, I mean, as as they said, he was with the golden boy Arnie Skolan. Yeah. And he was a champion. For, I mean, I think with the exception of maybe Bruno, the longest reigning champion or one of the longest reigning mm -hmm. champions in the history of the WWF. And to me, I think, me personally, I think I would have to go with Backlund over a Hulk Hogan any day. Yeah. 
you know, I actually met Bob Backlund once, and that man is real life crazy. I mean, and that's the thing. He's been unhinged for so long and played that character that I can't even, I can't place the all American boy, the, the all that is good anymore. He's, he's crazy, Mr. Backlund. So I was, I was in a locker room, and like right as he went to leave the locker room, he grabbed the top of the door frame and started doing pull ups. Ooh. I was just mm -hmm. at, at, you know, 60, 70 years old, however old he is. And I'm just like, this guy is just nuts. I got, I got to share a Bob Backlund story right, too. Jesus talking about it. Had an opportunity. Uh, it was at that said lockdown pay-per-view. And one of my friends actually went as far as going about 15. He asked him to name the presidents in order. I, I, he, he had me do that. He had me yeah. do that. He had about 14, 15 presidents in a row and was right on point. And he stopped in the middle of the statement and said, well, you can't do the Harvard step test with me. And that man, I mean, again, for his age, he is, he still can go. Yeah. I mean, again, he's just, I mean, he never stops and he's been done so many things. And I mean, again, it's one of those where I wish I would have been, I had an opportunity that night. And again, I kind of, kind of kicked myself for not being there with the night that Shanks was talking about. But to me, Bob Blackland, if you if you take out the the later years, I think Bob Backlund is one of those. Another one to consider too that was on my list, Sting. Yes, for sure. But okay, so I'm gonna Shanks convince me. Give me one sentence why your wild card's the best because I'm starting to lean your way. So just get, 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 give me give me one more one more case as to why yours is the best. It's just like I said throughout his entire run, he is not at least in WWE, has not been the bad guy. Yeah. Just all those kids wearing his mask and he comes out and goes head to head with him. You know, you know, you know, every single kid he did that with, they're going to remember that for the rest of their life. So with the, with the exception of when he was in the filthy animals, he's in W and those not even bad guys. They were just cocky assholes, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually, gonna go, I'm, I'm going to go with Shanks on this. I'm going to go over Mysterio. Oh, hold, 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 hold up. I don't get 14 seconds to talk about mine. Right, go, but go. You're going to lose. Okay, go. here you go. I'm changing in midstream. There's nothing in the rules that says I don't. Sting, yeah. longer time as being the good guy. He was mm -hmm. even in the NWO. He may have been a little bit of an attitude, but you've never seen him be a bad guy. And he's still around today, and he was around in the late 80s. Sting, Sting, Sting. Love Sting. Sting is on my all-time top 10. But as far as baby faces go and the impact they have with the crowd, I'm going to Mysterio because what he said, how many masks do you see out there? How many kids do you see him touch their head and go out there? I love Sting. See, is the icon of WCW, but I'm going to Mysterio. I call shenanigans. Okay. But that's not my fault because I was outvoted and being respectful of the other guests here and the yeah. host. I, I, I'll have to agree here. Okay. I'll give thing too because i don't know if you guys remember surfer shanks but i mean there was a lot of <laughs> you know influence there so props to him okay so we're gonna have a couple more quick ones so we're gonna round table these rather quickly on the flip side of the baby faces is the heels the bad guys the evil ones and my choice for the number one heel up on that mountain the hot rod rowdy rowdy piper because the dude he got stabbed by fans. They chased him down. He, Roddy Piper could talk. He played the Mexican national anthem on his bagpipes during a few with the Guerreros, and he played the Cucaracha. So this, this this man, he did not care about. He didn't mind getting heat. 
you know, an absolute legend of the bad guys of the business, the hot rod Roddy Piper. Luke, who's your choice? I'm going to tell you a true story. It's time for Luke's wonderful uh, plugs here on the Issues with Wrestling program. Had an opportunity this past Tuesday to interview this man right here, The Grappler. You can purchase this book, Memoirs, Memoirs of a Math Madman, also on Amazon and a variety of different uh, retailers. Had an opportunity. This man right here, The Grappler, talked about how one of the greatest moves in the history of professional wrestling was created by this man. A man who was so... Oh, I, I can't even begin to explain how great his promos are and how he just composed himself in the ring. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake is an amazing villain. And the promos that he would cut where he would talk about wallowing in the muck of your own avarice. And like wrestling fans, you know what that means? Come on. But he, he, he did not speak down to the audience. He spoke at a level that was an educated level. And I think that's – and plus the snake – and while he made a, he may have had an amazing run as a babyface for a lot of his WWF career. If you look back at those Georgia Mid South days where he was in karate pants, or a member of the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jake totally belongs up there. Uh, Shanks, who you got? Heels. I will give props to Jake the Snake. He, you mm-hmm. know, one of the only guys to never yell in a promo. Just like you said, he just talked, and that <laughs> mind blowing to me to be able to be a bad guy and do that for my pick however i'm going dirtiest player in the game the nature boy rick flair what's great about rick flair and i'm a big rick flair fan is that he never changed what he did whether he was a baby face or a heel rick flair was rick flair and you could still meet rick flair at 70 something years old and you're never going to meet richard fleer you're always going to meet rick flair so that that he does get that nod for me Luke? I got to agree. I mean, again, Ric Flair, 50-plus years in the industry, and he's still the same guy. I mean, here's a man who went out, and he was considered a good guy for a little bit before he got hurt in the plane crash. We've all heard the story. And he comes back to be probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestler in the history of the sport. Again, Ric Flair, simply put, is the man, and that's we can't go much farther than that. And I know that there's some people who might get some copyright things there, but when it comes down to it, he is always and forever the man. All right. So we'll do the, now the wild card for the fourth head. And I, I, it, you don't get much more of a villain than the boss, Mr. McMahon. Ooh. He has to be up there in my opinion. Luke, what do you think? I'm going to go in a different avenue. And again, it's time for story time with Luke Roberts. <laughs> I had an opportunity to meet a man. I know uh, Switchblades had, I think, an opportunity or time or two to meet him. I had an opportunity when I won my award here up here on my office from the CAC. I had an opportunity to talk with the one, the only, the original, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. Mm. I think Sullivan just came across consistently as like Jake Roberts. You did not want to wind up anywhere near this man because he just freaked you out yeah and it's one of those when it came out to you i mean again kevin sullivan if you look at his time in florida you look at his time in wcw it's one of those things when it comes down to it to me i agree with you i think vincent man was great but when it comes down to it i think kevin sullivan's one that often gets overlooked all right i agree with that kevin had a great mind for the business he was a guy that that 
was a great wrestler, but also was a great backstage promoter and questionable booker at times. Sure. But Shanks, who do you got? Who's your, who's your wild card choice? I will admit Vince was on my list. Mm-hmm. However, my second choice has got to be Triple H. Because throughout Ooh. up into 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. he was a bad guy. He was voted Wrestling Observer Newsletter's heel of the decade. For I what mean, that's worth. <laughs> true. Well, I mean, he was a heel for quite a while, the reign yeah. of terror. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's someone who's going to have three Hall of Fame rings. His you know, singles run, Evolution, and DX. He already has the one for DX, but he's going he's gonna to be in it three times. But uh, I, I'm sticking with Vince, and I you, come on, Switchblade. You got to say Vince is was one of the top heels of all time. Absolutely, like like all I right. said, he was on my list. He was my number yeah. three. So so, I'll, so I'll Luke, go on that will, you, will you come with us and put Vince up there? I'm gonna go with you in the WWE and say Triple H. Well, well, then we, see we switched to Vince, so Vince goes up on the mountain. <laughs> 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 all right, so we have one more consensus one that we're gonna do. And then we're going to have one more that's individual, our personal choices. So the last consensus one we're going to do is Luke brought it, so we should do this. And I agree, we should have put it on the list to begin with, but we're going to do it anyway. Managers. And and my first choice, I think this man could be all four heads, and that's Bobby the Brain Heenan. I I, I put the Heenan family on the, on the Mount Rushmore factions. Heenan was, in his day, an amazing wrestler. He was a great wrestler. And he was also, arguably, in my opinion, the best manager of all time and one of the best commentators of all time. So managers, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Luke, thoughts and your choice. It's James J. Dillon again. (laughs) But you know what? For a lot of the same reasons as Bobby Heenan, right? Great wrestler, great manager, great talker, all those things, right? And again, a man who went out there Another thing that a lot of people don't remember, he was in the first war games. Yes. He destroyed his shoulder. Yes, got very hurt in that match. J.J. Dillon, hands down, was one of the greatest managers. He's also a great in-ring performer as well. To me, if you have Bobby Heenan, who had a long time run in the WWF, you got to have J.J. Dillon, who for many, many years was, Mm -hmm. I'd say, the cornerstone of managers in the NWA. Absolutely. Shanks, managers, who do you put up there? My first pick has got to be one guy that you've already brought up, Paul Heyman. He Absolutely, yeah. so many just countless Hall of Famers, and was you know the first was mouth was the mouthpiece for Lesnar, and now he's managing Roman, and it's just it seems like anybody he touches, he just turns to gold, with the exception of Curtis Axel. Oh, Ryback. I mean, <laughs> the Big Show, RVD. He managed all these guys in WWE, and you know being the grand poobah of ECW for what it's worth. Uh, all right, so we have those three, and I hope you guys can agree with this. The last head has to be Jimmy Hart, right? Jimmy Hart or Jim Cornette, one of the two. Okay, I'm just going to put it this way. Miles, you and I are thinking alike at an hour and six minutes into the program. I just say simple, since you and I have the same two names on the list, I just say we throw it to Shanks and let him make the choice. All right, Jimmy, Har- yeah, Jimmy Hart or Jim Cornette, who do you pick as the greater manager? It's your decision now, Shanks. If we're going managers, as much uh-huh. as I love Corny, I got to go Jimmy Hart. There you go. Jimmy Hart, baby, up on the mountain. So before we get out of here, this one I didn't tell you guys about because I wanted to be a bit of a surprise. Not too much thing goes into it. So we'll start with you, Shanks. Your personal 
Mount Rushmore, the Garrett Shanks, the Switchblade Mount Rushmore. Okay, my personal Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Undertaker, obviously. HBK, RVE, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's that's a great mountain right there. I can't argue with that. Luke, what do you, who do you got for your throw? The Luke Roberts personal Mount Rushmore. Wow. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the following. I think you got to put Ric Flair on there. Okay. Um, I think you need to put uh, a Bobby Heenan on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me personally, I would probably say Luthez needs to be there. Okay. And the fourth one, I haven't mentioned all show. It's a man that I had an opportunity, and you can see in the background, I had an opportunity to compete with him on an event back in 1997, and that is the one, the only handsome Harley race. It's you. You can't uh, Harley is especially where we are. You got it. You got to show the respect to Harley race. Now, my personal, I, I have some would say strange taste in wrestling, but my first two might surprise some people. My primary head, my my Washington, my number one guy, Brian Pillman. I am a huge Brian Pillman, Mark, always have been. The day that he passed away was, it felt like a member of my own family passed away because I was that much of a fan of Brian Pillman. Uh, William Regal would be another one up there for me. Uh, and then uh, Roddy Piper, as I mentioned before, just a great villain and also an underrated baby face. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? His movies were a lot better than Hogan's. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would put up there Mick Foley because Mick Foley had something that a lot of wrestlers don't look at anymore. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, Luke, is the ability to make their opponent look like a million dollars. Whoever wrestled Mick Foley looked like they had the match of their damn lives. So, I mean, that, that's my personal, you know, Pillman, Regal, Piper, Foley. That's the Christopher Miles, Mount Rushmore. Again, guys, I can tell you right now, all 12 of those were great topics. I mean, and again, tonight having everything here, I mean, again, you know, one thing that would be great, too, if you enjoyed tonight's program, make it a point. Uh, put in the comment section or, or send it to us. There were a lot of great different choices. We'd like to know who you thought was mm-hmm. was in any of these categories. I'm going to tell you guys, it, it was a great discussion. And, again, you always get great discussions like this right here on Issues with Russell. Yes. So tell us why we're wrong. Put in the comments, tell us who you thought should have been on those mountains. Before we got here, Shanks, with all your socials, those are going to be anywhere lately in the next few weeks. Uh, Dynamo Pro should be coming back here within the next month or so. Uh-huh. I mean. Just keep keep posting with me. Keep posting with everybody involved. We'll we'll be throwing those out there. We got the Taco Margarita Festival coming up, March twenty fifth. March twenty fifth. Uh, tacos, margaritas, and wrestling. What more can you ask for? Uh, Not my, much. My socials are Garrett underscore Shanks on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just type it in, and you'll find me, and give me a follow if you don't mind. All right, all right. So Garrett, we'll say good night to you, man. Thanks for coming on. You were fantastic, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime, buddy. All right, Luke, what about your socials, where you're going to be in the coming weeks? Well, most people can find me, uh, underscore uh, referee, underscore Luke, underscore Roberts. Uh, Also, uh, a lot of great things to keep up. And if you want to keep an eye on Luke Roberts every Tuesday night, 7 to 9 p.m., 
Russell Talk podcast with Joe and Renee and a cast of several. Uh, <laughs> I've been on there before. You've been, a, you've been a guest on the program as well every Tuesday night, 7 to 9 o'clock on all great social media outlets and WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Also, as we, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the network here on the program tonight. Every Wednesday night, Roundabout Sports with, with the maestro Jeremy Carp every Wednesday night. You can also check out uh, FWWC tonight. For those of you that might enjoy the idea of fantasy wrestling, it'd be on Thursday evenings, uh, 7.30, I believe, to 8.30 on all the great wrestling outlets. And, of course... Every Sunday night, right here, Issues with Wrestling. Great program. Make sure to check it out each and every week. And, again, there's going to be a lot of great events coming up. Uh, Garrett talked about the Taco and Margarita Festival. And also on uh, Saturday, May 13th, uh, the Fan Fest to be held at the Aviator Hotel in St. Louis. A lot of great people are going to be in attendance. Uh, actually, matter of fact, I know this gentleman right here, the Grappler, is going to be one of many that's going to be there, $25.00. Get you a ticket to the Fan Fest. I think it's $42 to get a Fan Fest ticket and for the wrestling that night. I'm going to tell you, wrestling's happening here in St. Louis. And I'm going to say it this way, Chris. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We're on the road to another episode with issues with wrestling. And, of course, you're not going to be missing a great program. And, of course, you're always going to have a great time when you talk to St. Louis's favorite zebra, the one, the only Christopher Miles. And, of course, just when he, just when I thought everything was done, everything was peaceful in the world. You got to throw it up here now because I know I'm contractually obligated by this guy. Let's go ahead and throw it up here. I thought I got away from him. Yes, <laughs> not. Chris Rodell talking about the snitch. That's another discussion for another day. Chris, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there at some point or another. But again, make it point. Issues wrestling on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Follow them. They're a great program. The rock and roll on each and every Sunday night. And of course, you're going to see this great man, the man who who Gary Hart modeled his haircut after, the man who Stone Cold wishes would be able to keep that kind of a look each and every week. The one, the only Christopher Miles. I mean, again, take into consideration he is rooting for the newest MLS team right there representing. And hey, again, they won. They won. That is true. How many more wins will they get? That's true. You know what? We could, we could make a. You should make a poll on issues with wrestling. Who's going to win more, the MLS team or the XFL team? Let's wait that for another. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. All right. So, Luke, thanks so much. We'll see you next time, buddy. Okay. Thank you very much, Chris. For again, make sure to check out issues with wrestling every Sunday night. All right. All right, guys. So before I get out of here, as always, you can buy this lovely shirt here in the comments. My shirt at proslingtees.com slash Saint Louis Favorite Zebra. And next week, again, I don't tell you what we're doing yet. It's going to be a surprise, but you're going to love our topic next week. It's going to be really compelling and interesting right here on Issues Wrestling on the I-70 Sports Media Network, where our passion is our profession. So until next time, I'm Christopher Miles, and I have Issues with Wrestling. <laughs>